The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. I take full responsibility for everything this government has been doing in tackling coronavirus, and I'm very proud of our record. Tens of thousands of our citizens have died avoidably. These were unnecessary deaths because of systematic government misconduct. With good British common sense, we will continue to defeat this virus and take this country forward. There were a lot of green shoots of opportunity on the horizon. You know, we've been held down on forest floor for far too long, and we will reach that canopy again. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. And a very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Now, London is going to face Tier 2 virus restrictions from Saturday. That announcement is expected later in the day, but cases are continuing to rise across the country and the response gets really rather more fragmented. In terms of London, the Mayor Sadiq Khan had been calling for the changes as infections in the capital have surged, but he's also now called for a national circuit breaker short lockdown as well. Yeah, but the government's sticking to its guns on their regional approach. Uh, Behind the curve, in a sense, that Northern Ireland and Wales already announcing tougher actions. So up in Northern Ireland, they're closing schools from Monday. You've got new curbs on pubs and restaurants and Wales restricting travel from English hotspots. New regulations coming into force tomorrow. Of course, all of this is, in a sense, a regional approach. Um, And then we've got Brexit bubbling away in the back of it as well. Well, indeed, Boris Johnson saying he's disappointed by the slow progress of Brexit trade talks. And of course, it is today, in theory, at least his deadline, though we understand that's going to be extended. In a call to EU leaders, he said he would decide after this week's EU summit if it was worth continuing to work for a deal. He previously set today as the moment to walk away if there was no progress on a deal in sight. But the German finance minister, Olaf Scholz, has told Bloomberg he's still optimistic a deal can be reached. So, do Boris Johnson's difficulties on all this then represent an opportunity for Labour or a moment when national unity is the better position? I'm very pleased to say that joining us now is Lloyd Russell-Moyle, Labour MP for Brighton, Kemptown and Peacehaven. Uh, Lloyd, welcome to the programme. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Let's just start with the virus restrictions because they are obviously the issue of the moment. Now, Keir Starmer, your party leader, has backed the three-tier system that Boris Johnson's now putting into place. So, uh, all Labour mayors, really, I guess, uh, Sadiq Khan... Uh, Andy Burnham and others should get behind it, shouldn't they? Well, yes, they should get behind uh, the tier uh, system. I, I think that there are arguments that um, uh, how it's implemented, um, uh, and I might have done some things slightly differently. For example, during the hard lockdown that we had, you were always still allowed to meet one person uh, outside and potentially meet one person uh, indoors. The guidance didn't allow it, the law allowed it. Now, no one is allowed to meet indoors. I think that does cause some problems for um, two single people, two two, uh, people who are maybe in a relationship, but in different households where they're in shared houses, etc. And I I think that what you have to do is try and create the rules so people can easily follow them without encouraging them to break them. Uh, But broadly, the tier system is correct. Um, uh, But it doesn't seem like it's enough, and it 
I think that there's now a push in Keir Starmer's talking about this, and so are many of the Labour mayors, that we need a kind of circuit breaker uh, lockdown, similar to the rules that we had last time. So you could go out to exercise, you could exercise in pairs, you socially distance from two different households, but everything else was kind of uh, pretty much stay at home. Uh, and that might well, if you coincided that with the... Um, at the school half term, you could also avoid disruption to schools whilst also getting this disease back under control and getting tests and tracing back under control. Because the big failure is that you can have all these lockdowns in the world, all the tier systems that in principle we support, but if you're not actually doing the testing and tracing, yeah. there's not really much worth, uh, worth doing it because you are just then restricting people for the virus to come back. But, but Lloyd, isn't a circuit breaker a bit of a blunt instrument? It, it just means that you're going to end up closing businesses in areas where the virus is actually not that prominent, but you are going to inflict the economic damage. Well, our view is that you need to provide a similar package to like you did last time. Many businesses that I'm talking about, are talking to, are actually finding some of these uh, medium restrictions worse than a full lockdown restriction. If you tell a business that they have to shut early, but you're not going to recompense them uh, for that, they can't make the money, but they are not expected to be shut, so therefore don't get the compensation or support. Uh, and that's the worst of all worlds uh, as well. So, so yes, of course, it is slightly draconian. But what's clear is the government have not got this sorted on a national scale. The testing and tracing is not working nationally. And so there needs to be some time to get that sorted on a national level. And then coming out of that, you then need to have a proper tier system, which it looks like we've established. I asked for this months ago now, a tier system rather than regional bit by bit, which then you flow into after having the lockdown and setting the base rate at the right kind of level. But, but Lloyd, isn't the risk in all this, as soon as the uh, brief circuit breaker is over, uh, we go back to, uh, well, many people go back to partying or whatever, and the virus comes back. Wouldn't a full the problem, national the lockdown going forward be the answer? The problem is not people partying. The problem is not individuals here. The problem is the failure of the government to do testing and tracing. And the problem is the failure of the government to give clear advice. And so the point of a circuit breaker lockdown is to try and reset the system, get back to the gains that we got previously earlier in the year, get testing and tracing done. If you just have a national lockdown without doing any of those things, without then having a tier system uh, coming out of it, without having a testing and tracing coming out of it, yeah, it's completely useless and a waste of time. But that's not the proposal from Labour. Labour says use those two weeks to actually get everything in place. We now know exactly what needs to get in place and the government just needs to get on with it. Stop outsourcing these decisions to Serco and others who have absolutely failed. Use NHS labs um, and university labs, which are sitting idle at the moment, and universities are begging to be able to use their labs to contribute. This is a national um, uh, issue, of course. This is a national and international crisis, and we need to be mobilising all the nation's resources rather than just a few private companies here or there. And what about the north-south divide here? We're seeing rising cases and, and more severe pictures in a lot of northern cities. Uh, you're based down in the south, down in Brighton. We're based down in London as well. Is it the relative wealth here between the north and the south that is causing this to play out? Or do you think there's something else going on? Well, London's just about to go into tier two, isn't it? So um, you'll, you'll, be, uh, you'll be under some restrictions um, uh, later on next week, I suspect. Um, there is a poverty issue here. Uh, and London, of course, 
uh, has real pockets of poverty, and the southeast has real pockets of poverty. And you are seeing the virus rise higher than that. Why might that be? Well, you lived in more cramped living conditions, you have more intergenerational uh, living, um, uh, and you have more uh, less outside, private outside space to be able to spread out. Uh, but of course, you also have to take into effect as a kind of weather element as well, you know, kind of how people live in the north and the south because of that weather element is slightly different. Um, uh, and there is, I suspect, also an issue around um, a long-term investment uh, in terms of health and councils that we have seen in the south compared to uh, the north. But it's not a blank picture of the north versus the south, as I said, because you see London and you see other pockets uh, where there are real issues in the south as well. And you see parts of the north, North Yorkshire, for example, uh, not under lockdown, um, even though its rates are higher than some of the other areas um, uh, where uh, um, they were put under lockdown uh, tiers much earlier. Lloyd, let me move you on to Brexit, which is another key issue, of course, of the moment. It's a key Brexit moment in many ways. Boris Johnson threatening to walk away uh, with no deal from the talks. Um, I mean, as we are now, and I take on board that you, you may not have been supporting any of this process, but should he now concede on issues like fishing and state subsidies to get a deal through? What, what, would, he, what would you say to him? Well, negotiations are about conceding points. And any good negotiations, and I have sat into EU negotiations before when we were part of them, you know, on our side, of course, we'll have your red lines and you'll have your soft lines that publicly uh, you will try and defend, but you are willing to give a little bit of uh, room on to get the bigger deal through. Um, I suspect state subsidies should be one of those things because generally state subsidies rules are important to maintain a market. You can't have um, uh, businesses, big businesses, Googles and the Amazons of the world, shopping around within the European Union and Britain if it's got a free trade uh, arrangement with it to work out who will give them the best cash prize or who will give them, of course, uh, the lowest tax regime. That is corporate welfare, and that's what the state subsidy system is meant to try and limit. And that's quite right. Uh, and and that, that will need to be some... Even the WTO has some limits on state subsidy. Uh, so there will need to be some agreement on, 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 on that, and I assume that there will be some movement. Fisheries is a bit more difficult, because fisheries is something that we do not want to give so much away of at the moment, and the EU is very keen on, uh, bearing in mind that the UK did have fishing quotas that were reserved for the UK and previous Conservative and Labour but mainly Conservative governments sold those fishing quotas to um, frigates that were then uh, flagged abroad and so actually this isn't an EU problem this is an historic British problem that we had uh, devalued our fishies, uh, fishing stock and are now trying to rebalance that and that is difficult um, uh, but I don't think it's worth walking away from because there are some much bigger uh, issues here in terms of trade that, uh, that, that are really dependent on the deal. Uh, and very briefly then, what sort of a relationship do you want to see uh, between the UK and the EU in future? Well, what do I want to see? I mean, the relationship I want to see was membership. And then as close as to membership as possible, I would have gone for a kind of customs union um, single market plus deal, you know, kind of the closest relationship possible, um, you know, kind of even working out some joint uh, institutions that we would be part of and possibly even um, uh, voting members of. 
the Conservatives have been very clear that that was never even on the table, despite that, of course, in the last Parliament, having the most votes of any of the particular options that came it's... forward. So what's the reality is, I think the, rea- the best option in reality that I can hope for is a very good comprehensive trade right. deal that has social elements as well. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. And we have Test and Trace, the government paying individual private sector consultants million pound wages to work on its Test and Trace system. This is according to Sky News. Million pound wages. Roger, executives from BCG, Boston Consulting Group, helping the government to set up, to run the system. And they're on day rates of around £7,000. That's equivalent to an annual salary of around £1.5 million. Although that's slightly misleading, really, because if you work for this company and you get those day rates, you're not receiving all of that money. Uh, But still, if you look at that versus a public sector worker, it's a whole lot higher and it's a system that's not really working. Mm. And on the very, very far opposite end of the spectrum of, I guess, pay, what about arts organisations? Because they're being asked to publicise the government's campaign to support the industry before receiving any rescue grants. And that's according to The Independent. The paper says organisations were told they were required to credit the Culture Recovery Fund and mention the government's Here for Culture campaign on social media. They were also told they'd have to mention the grant on their website using the Here for Culture logo. They will be reportedly sent useful wording to help them. Useful wording. No doubt they're delighted about that. We've only just got over the ballet adverts. Now this it's seemingly never-ending for the arts industry. And then we've got another poll on Scottish independence. This time it's risen to a record. Uh, Ipsos Mori finding that 58% of respondents were in favour. That beats earlier surveys that had support around 55%. Uh, John Curtis, the polling guru, says this is now the ninth consecutive poll to show majority support for Scottish independence. And notably, he also says this shows the strongest support among the younger generations who I'm not quite sure how they uh, performed or how they voted the first time round, but presumably that is a, a sea change. Well, it seems to be so. And I think uh, grave doubts now whether the United Kingdom will remain uh, that for much longer. But we'll see, because, of course, still Westminster has to give permission for any further referendum to take place. But anyway, let's get back to the results after four years of another referendum, Brexit. Boris Johnson's told EU leaders he's disappointed by the slow progress of the Brexit trade talks. The Prime Minister says he will decide after a key summit this week whether it's worth continuing to work for a deal. So is it worth pressing on or using the time before the end of the year to prepare businesses for a no-deal outcome? Well, joining us now is John Longworth, Director of the Centre for Brexit Policy, himself a former Brexit Party MEP. John, welcome to the programme. Thanks for being with us. Um, from what you know and what you're hearing, do you think a deal is achievable now? I think there's always a chance uh, that a deal will be done, particularly in the European context, because the EU tend to do deals at the last minute. And it's evidently possible for a deal to be done. But, of course, the government do have this sort of elephant in the room, which is the withdrawal agreement. And the withdrawal agreement would prevent the government actually striking a Canada-style deal with the EU. So they've not just got to deal with getting a deal or walking away, 
they've also got to do something about the withdrawal agreement as well. Is that Canada deal reasonable, though, given that it's a very different country, very different relationship with the EU, not least that the UK has a land border with the EU, and that's been one of the big issues in all of this? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that there's sort of a bit of a red herring, this business about geographical distance in a web-enabled world. The fact of the matter is that um, it's actually even easier for the UK to do a Canada deal than it was for Canada, because we have all the same regulations and standards that the EU does. We've been a member, after all, for 40 years. So it should actually be very, very simple to strike a Canada-style deal. We're already beginning to see fractures on the European side. The Germans are saying that the EU ought to try harder to get a deal and are writing in the newspapers in Germany that actually the French are being obstinate about fisheries in particular. Uh, so the Germans are very worried about this. And rightly so, you have a 90 billion euro trade surplus with the UK. So it'd be very damaging, particularly for countries like Germany, France, uh, the Netherlands and so on, to not have a deal. Well, John, I mean, let's, you mentioned fisheries there. Let's focus on the two things that uh, both sides have kind of identified as being perhaps the biggest problems at the moment. One is to do with state subsidies and the other with fisheries. Um, on both counts, do you think, if you, if you were able to whisper in Boris Johnson's ear right now, would you say make concessions on those or would you not? Well, I think there's already uh, the possibility of um, a deal in the making on those. It's quite possible, for example, to phase the fisheries uh, deal in over a period of time, say three years, the UK fishing industry hasn't got the capacity to take up the slack immediately and it will take them a little while to build up the industry. So I think they would be quite happy with that. As far as the state aid stuff's concerned, one of the crucial points there is that any adjudication of state aid measures should be made by an independent arbitrator, not by the European Court of Justice. The ECJ, after all, is a political court and will always favour the European Union. If we have an independent court, it could work very well for the UK, because actually the biggest abusers of state aid are countries like France and Germany, do it all the time, get away with it. And we, but having said that, we've still got the problem of the withdrawal agreement. The UK, of course, are putting through Parliament a piece of legislation which will prevent, or which will enable the UK to produce new legislation preventing the court to from following through any adjudications that the EU make. Uh, but that is not absolute protection. And mm. the EU may still use the WA and the Northern Ireland Protocol as a poison pill to prevent, for example, the UK compensating Nissan for 10% um, tariffs right. imposed by the EU. So, so fishing, state aid, are these areas where the UK needs to give some ground or do they gamble and, and stand firm? No, I think, I, I think Boris... Johnson has to stand firm to the extent that I've already described uh, and I think he will uh, all the indications are that he will because it's, it's the one policy area that he's been absolutely consistent on, that is to say Brexit and if he's going to retain his majority in the Red Wall constituencies he cannot renege on the Brexit deal uh, the referendum because he'll lose the next election, it's as simple as that you then have to fix COVID, of course, but that's another story. Well, uh, let's, let's, let's mention that, though, John, because that is important. I mean, you mentioned the Red Wall, or former Red Wall, now Blue Wall 
constituencies suffering uh, disproportionately, it seems, uh, in this COVID crisis, and are many of them suffering economically. And the argument is being made, I've heard it made by MPs from that area, that this is not the moment to deliver another uh, big economic blow, which an initial no-deal outcome would give them. It's too much at once. No, I think, I mean, we are well prepared for uh, walking away Brexit. And actually, uh, the freedom that they will give us will enable us to deal with the COVID economic problem because it will give us the scope to uh, boost the economy and grow the economy and therefore raise more tax without actually having to raise the rate of tax. One of my other roles is also I'm chairman of the Independent Business Network, which which represents family-owned and family-run businesses, and I've written a telegraph today on the COVID issue, basically calling for the government not to lock down, to, to actually go for a, a Swedish approach to um, COVID, because the damage to the economy will be phenomenal if it continues doing what it's doing at the moment, and of course the damage to physical and mental health that results from that. Other right. diseases not dealt with or diagnosed, for example. But, but but going back to a no-deal Brexit, even if there are opportunities in the longer term, surely in the short term, the WTO tariffs mean costs are going to go up for people who are already suffering. Well, the UK can, of course, adapt the tariff policy unilaterally. And the government have already said that the majority of tariffs will be removed unilaterally. That's something we can decide to do, whether or not we have trade deals with other countries, which will, which will actually reduce costs of certain key items, uh, consumer goods uh, in the electrical sector, for example, and a, a range of uh, agricultural products that we don't produce in the UK will reduce in price, not increase in price. It's quite the but, contrary. But all that is, in a sense, still slightly further long term, John. In the initial weeks, days uh, of what we're talking about here, about a walk away and a no deal, We've already heard there could well be chaos in terms of of lorries being caught on the roads in the south trying to get across, the new amounts of of, of form filling that will be required, the difficulties. In those days, it's going to be really difficult at a point where people are already facing difficulties. Well, there will be disruption uh, if we have a walk-away Brexit. But don't forget, even in a no-deal situation, there are mini-deals being signed uh, by the UK and the EU, which will deal with things like customs arrangements, visa arrangements, air travel and so on. Those things will happen anyway uh, and and be dealt with. Um, You know, if if the EU are silly enough to go down the route of causing backlogs of vehicles and so on, uh, there are other other ways in which the UK can can deal with that. Uh, There are plenty of other countries other than France who are quite happy and actually very keen to uh, have British goods flowing into the EU and European goods flowing to the UK. Don't forget all these ports, which have already made their arrangements, continental ports, they've already made their arrangements for a no-deal Brexit. They're all businesses, and they want to do business. So they're going to pull out every, every, pull out every sinew to actually make sure that trade continues, otherwise they'll go bust. But isn't this going to come, even if, just going back to your point about uh, not charging tariffs, is that not money left on the table at a time when the Treasury's coffers have been absolutely raided this year to pay for the virus? Surely we need to be looking for for revenue-raising opportunities elsewhere, wherever possible. Well, the removal of tariffs on uh, items that will help uh, reduce the cost of living for consumers enables people to spend more money 
in the UK or on other goods, which then raise tariffs, which then raise taxes through VAT. Those tariffs that the that the UK will apply, which there will be a range of products on which tariffs will apply in an industrial situation, for example, automobiles. That money will now go to the UK Treasury rather than Brussels. So the UK will be quitting either way. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.